and welcome back to the Historia Obscura Reading Room. How lovely to speak with you again. Today, the military drove all the way down our long, winding lane and delivered a care package of canned and boxed goods. It even included a package of tea and some lumps of sugar, just like during wartime. Our great thanks go out to those people who keep at their work even as the rest of us hide ourselves away, much like myself in the library. It makes me glad to see tax dollars coming back to the people in times of uncertainty, and it makes me especially glad to see ladies dressed up in their army and navy gear hauling food and fuel to families. The world was not always that way, you know. Once upon a time, in the year 1600, Bathsua Mackin was born in England. Precious little is known of the details of her life, but what remains is her dedication to the education of women at a time when females were given very little respect and very few opportunities to learn or even participate in learned discussions. Mackin came from a household in which education was considered very important, since her father, Henry Reginald, was a schoolteacher himself. They lived in Stepney, a town near London, and it seems as if Henry Reginald's belief in the good and necessity of learning extended even to his female children, something quite rare four centuries ago. Mackin herself became a teacher, and during her career, she helped an entire generation of females, at least those from wealthy families, learn about things they would never have imagined otherwise. In adulthood, she would often be referred to as England's most learned lady. As a teacher and a student herself, Mackin's favorite subject was foreign languages. She learned to read and write in all of Europe's common tongues. And in 1640, she was appointed tutor to the children of King Charles I, the most prominent position a woman, or any teacher, could hold in the kingdom. The Princess Elizabeth Stuart was the tutor's principal student. Unfortunately, though she may not have realized it, Mackin's job put her in a great deal of danger. Charles I was an unpopular king, and there was a faction of English people who wanted to overthrow him, thereby reverting England to a Catholic nation. Such religious sects in Britain had been waiting for such an opportunity ever since the Reformation of the previous century under King Henry VIII and several times a coup had been attempted. This particular coup was successful, and Charles I was eventually captured and executed in 1649. In the king's place was placed a man called Oliver Cromwell, who had had a large hand in orchestrating the downfall of the former king. As for Charles's children, they were taken into custody, and when the Princess Elizabeth Stuart was sent into exile at Penshurst Place in Kent, Mackin followed. 
She cared for the princess for ten long years, until Elizabeth sadly died shortly after a transfer to the Isle of Wight. The Cromwell government had promised to pay the Tudor's wages as she had received under Charles I, but no money was ever shown. With very little to her name, Bathsua Mackin went home. She looked once more for tutoring jobs and began teaching various young members of the English aristocracy to master Spanish, Latin, French, and other local languages. While she once more dedicated herself to the education of the English female population, the country once more found itself in the hands of a Stuart monarch. Charles II, son of King Charles I, was placed on the British throne in the 1660 Restoration. In doing so, monarchists made the country safe again for Protestants, especially those who had worked in the service of the royal family. Mackin looked for ways to increase her impact on the youth of the nation, and in 1673, she and an associate founded a school dedicated to the education of society women at Tottenham High Cross. Mackin served as governess of the school, which was located just a few miles outside of London. As you will soon hear in Mackin's own words, she believed very strongly in teaching young women traditional subjects like needlepoint, music, and singing, but she also made sure that her students learned advanced English, Latin, and French. For girls who wanted to master still more languages, she offered lessons in Greek and Hebrew. The following excerpt is from Mackin's an Essay to Revive the Ancient Education of Gentlewomen, published in 1673. This essay is a highly personal piece in which the author expresses her anger at the facts that girls were considered to have lower intelligence than males. That said, you're about to see that Bathsua Mackin was not free of other prejudices of her time. <clears throat> Care ought to be taken by us to educate women in learning. That I may be more distinct in what I intend, I shall distinguish of women. Women are of two sorts, rich or poor. That is to say, either of good natural parts or of low parts. I do not mean that it is necessary to the subsistence or to the salvation of women, to be thus educated. Those that are man in the world have not an opportunity for this education. Those that are of low parts, though they have opportunity, cannot reach this. Ex quovis ligno non fit minerva. This idiom is in Latin. I looked it up, and as far as I can decipher, it means something like you can't make a Minerva from any block of wood. Minerva probably being a reference to the Roman goddess of wisdom. Let's continue. My meaning is, persons that God hath blessed with things of this world, that have competent natural parts, 
ought to be educated in knowledge. That is, it is so much better, they should spend the time of their youth to be competently instructed in those things usually taught to gentlewomen at schools, and the overplus of their time to be spent in gaining arts and in tongues and useful knowledge, rather than to trifle away so many precious minutes merely to polish their hands and feet, to curl their locks, to dress and trim their bodies, and in the meantime to neglect their souls and, not at all, or very little endeavor to know God, Jesus Christ, themselves, and the things of nature, art, tongues. I do not deny but women ought to be brought up to a comely and decent carriage, to their needle, to neatness, to understand all those things that do particularly belong to their sex. But when these things are competently cared for, then higher things ought to be endeavored after. Doubtless this underbreeding of women began amongst heathen and barbarous people. It continued with the Indians, when they make their women mere slaves and wear them out in drudgery. It is practiced amongst degenerate and apostate Christians upon the same score, and now is part of their religion. It would therefore be a piece of reformation to correct it. Had God intended women as just a finer sort of cattle, he would not have made them reasonable. God intended woman as a helpmeet to man, in his constant conversation and in the concerns of his family and estate, when he should most need in sickness, weakness, absence, death, etc. Whilst we neglect to fit them for these things, we renounce God's blessing. I remember discourse in Erasmus between an abbot and a learned woman. She gives many good reasons why women should be learned. He gives her one answer to all this, that women would never be kept in subjection if they were learned. As he found by experience among his monks, of all things in the world, he hating nothing so much as a learned monk who would always be contradicting his superior. He further explains that if women should be permitted arts, they would be wiser than their male counterparts, and no man would be such a fool as to permit that. The barbarous custom to breed women low is grown general amongst us, and hath prevailed so far that it is verily believed, especially amongst a sort of most debauched sot, that women are not endowed with such reason as men, nor capable of improvement by education as they are. It is looked upon as a monstrous thing to pretend the contrary. A learned woman is thought to be a comet that bodes mischief whenever it appears. To offer to the world the liberal education of women is to deface the image of God in man. It will make women so high and men so low. Like fire in the housetop, it will set the whole world in a flame. Ah, one of my favorite stories and how well it pairs with my socialist tea.
May you all have plenty of what you need, dear friends, including respect. Now, if you will excuse me, I have a meeting in the dungeon with my household. We've volunteered to sew plague masks for the village essential workers, and if we don't get them finished before sunup, the protective enchantments won't work properly. Adieu. Good night. Good night.